All right. Welcome to uh, everyone out there. Let's check an audio here. Seems a little funny, but I think we're working okay. Hey, I want to welcome everybody to Amateur Radio Roundtable. This show is about ham radio. If you don't know what amateur radio is, it's about ham radio, and we welcome you uh, to the show tonight. And if you're listening out there on International Shortwave on WBCQ on 7490, we'd really, really love to hear from you. So please send us uh, send us an uh, email to tom at w5kub, tom at w5kub.com, and tell us where you are and uh, how you're hearing the station tonight and, and so forth. Uh, just a couple of quick things here. We've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to have some fun tonight. But uh, I need you to do a couple of things for me. I need you to, first of all, please hit the subscribe button. Uh, to help you out, I put a little arrow right there. If you just hit that little subscribe button down there in the bottom of your uh, screen here, that really helps us to uh, promote uh, our show. About 30% of the people that come to our show on a Tuesday night actually find us by accident. The, the little... Uh, the little thumbnail pops up, you know, when you're searching for radio or something. We pop up in there, and uh, uh, they click on it, and they come join the show. So if that's one of you guys, we're glad to have you tonight. If you're a shortwave listener, we'd love to have you. We'll talk a little about shortwave listening tonight, too. That's where many of us got our start back many, many years ago in the last century, actually. So please uh, hit that, hit that uh, subscribe button. If you want to, uh, hit the uh, notify button because we come on during the week sometimes with something special going on, and it will notify you if we come on live. So uh, please do that. Uh, Let's see. Oh, yeah. Join our Facebook group. We have a Facebook group. It's a great ham radio group. We've got 13,000 hams in that Facebook group. And uh, we talk about everything about ham radio. There's a lot going on now with tracking our balloon and so forth. But if you've got questions or just, it's just a great ham radio hangout place. And it also follows the show and a lot of the projects that we do on the show. So uh, just key in, in in Facebook, just search for W5KUB, W5KUB, and just join that. You can join us there. And, uh, man, we've got so many ways to get out there to you folks. Uh, another thing, we, we're on nearly every podcast out there. Nearly every podcast in the country is carrying our show. And, uh, I mean, everything from iTunes to, to Google Play to iNet Radio, everybody's, uh, everybody's uh, carrying uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable. Uh, I'm surprised. Uh, we just recently, I got a note, we've had 50,000 downloads in the last few months. There's a lot of people that just, listen to the audio during the week i guess as they uh, drive around in their car or maybe they're at work so uh that's another place you can you can hear us there all right uh let's see gonna be a good show tonight and um uh as most of you know we've broken the show up into two parts uh the show uh amateur radio roundtable is only one hour now We'll, we'll stop it somewhere around uh, in about an hour. And then we go to we go to what we call the after the show show. And uh, that way we invite anybody that wants to join us on, on uh, Zoom to come into the show. We leave the stream up so people can still see you and they can hear what we're talking about. 
and it actually then becomes just uh, a, just a ham radio discussion, uh, just about anything and everything there. Uh, one quick announcement. we got a hamvention coming up soon. I got a note here from Jay, uh, from Jay uh, Melnick. Uh, Jay, let's see, do I have Jay's call? I don't have, yeah, Jay's called KB0TS. Jay is not able to go, and Jay has two tickets. He has two tickets that he'll mail you. He wants 52 bucks for them, and uh, that will save you. If you buy at the door, they're going to cost you $62. So that'll save you some money. If you want uh, two tickets to uh, Hamvention, uh, send an email tonight to uh, Jay, KB0TS, uh, he's good in QRZ, KB0TS, he has two, two tickets uh, to uh, Hamvention, and um, I know he'd like to move those to somebody that could use them. All right, what was that? Somebody say something? Yeah, yeah you know that they made a song about that. About uh, what was that? Yeah, Rich is nodding his head, he knows. Yeah, two tickets yeah. to paradise. Oh, exactly. okay, okay, <laughs> two tickets to paradise, all right, well. Uh, and it will be. We're going to have a lot of fun up there in about three. What? What? We're three weeks away. Three weeks. Three yes, weeks, I was Glenn. Looking on the calendar today, man. We're three weeks away, and Glenn, you're going to have to scoot over to the left about five or six or seven inches. Can you kind of scoot? Hang on, let me let me pick up my paper. Scoot to the left just a little bit. <laughs> you can still hold. There, we go. Yeah, there you go. Now much better. Much better. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Hey, we will see you up here. Glenn's flying. He's taking the easy way out. Uh, yeah. My friend and I, we're going to drive up, and it's a 10-hour drive for us. It's about 500 miles. But we're going up on Wednesday, and uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you up there, Glenn. And Glenn's going to take the easy way out. He's going to fly up here. Now, I've already offered, if Glenn buys anything, I will bring it back in my truck for a nominal fee. Tom's got a big truck, so I've got a, I can bring a lot of stuff back for a nominal y'all fee. Y'all that's got them boat anchors, let me know. All right. Well, hey, we're, we're looking forward to seeing you up there real soon. You're going to be right across from our booth, and uh, we'll yeah. see you there in Building 2 uh, there at Hamvention here in about three weeks. Well, it's going to be fun. Yeah, okay. they just sent out the calendar and scheduling for us today, um, and... Uh, Dave Kassler, myself, and Pascal Villeneuve, and uh, their contest editor, uh, we're all going to be there. Uh, Lee Finkel, KY7M, we're all going to be there uh, meeting and greeting and signing books and just saying hello to everybody, and I'll be there on uh, Friday and Saturday, as will all the other guys as well. We each got an hour time slot plus, you know, a place to hang out. Well, that's, uh, that's great, and uh, just come on by the booth and um, spend some time over there with us, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I plan on it. This, yep. You know, I've got two years of, of you know, Looking catching around. up to do. Yeah, yeah, I do, too. It's a couple of years of catching up to do up there, man. And, uh, mm. you know, it's, uh, it's amazing that we've missed, man, it's been, I saw somewhere, somebody put, it's been over a 1,000 days, it seems like. That don't seem wow. right. 365, 365. That'd be about right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It might have been. That'd be about right. A little over two and a half years, almost three years. Wow. Okay. All right. 
Well, hey, uh, Rich, how you doing tonight, man? Come on in here from New Jersey, man. I'm doing great and uh, very happy to be here. We're having some uh, nice spring weather, some April showers uh, coming our way in a few minutes, according to my weather alert, but uh, it helps all the flowers. And uh, having a busy time, uh, both uh, with work and uh, with home stuff, uh, working in our uh, mm. county park, expanding our butterfly garden, which is uh, what I do when I'm not doing ham radio stuff. Well, I tell you, I thought summer was here again. We had a good thunderstorm, uh, man, yesterday about 3 o'clock in the morning. Terrible lightning and thunderstorm. But then a cold front comes through. I can't believe it, man. You know, it's warm, and then a cold front comes through, and then it gets warm, and someday the weather's going to have to clear up a little bit here, I, I would think, here. Yeah, we're supposed to get your cold front uh, tonight into tomorrow morning. The rest of the week's supposed to be pretty cold. Yeah, okay. Well, good. We'll be talking to you in a minute about CQ for next month, and uh, we'll see what's in CQ there. Oh, hey, we got a special guest on here tonight. He's actually one of our members. I mean, he's he he's one of our he's one of our team. I just he's just so busy. I can't get him on here. Plus, I think he goes to bed early at night. Come on in here, Martin. How you doing, Martin? Oh, I'm I'm doing good, Tom. I'm uh, glad that um, uh, COVID has let up and uh, things are fairly back to normal here in Starkville, but. We're still having some supply chain issues and getting enough employees, but we're doing fine. Well, that's good. And Martin, uh, well, I talked to you uh, last month, and you had COVID last month, man. And you know, at your age and my age, we really don't want to get that COVID, but we had it. How did you? Uh, how did you get through it? it? Was it was it bad or was it pretty light? No, for you? it was it was pretty mild, but it took me fifteen days to test negative. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just yeah. kind of hung on with you there, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, no, no, no problems. You, you know, I figured, Martin. I figured you personally it, it wouldn't last long. I figured you could have mixed up something and drank it, and it probably would have killed it off, man. But I can't believe it stayed well, in you fifteen, fifteen days. Yeah, uh, it, it took a long time. Just, well. Yeah. Here at home, eating uh, uh, peanut butter crackers. <laughs> did you uh, did you lose your taste and smell or anything like that? No, but it was like normal. That's good. To, That's good. Uh, yeah, I know so some. Uh, I know some young people that have had it and they've lost their taste. Uh, but that was about it, you know. Oh well. Uh, hey. Over the last three years, Kathy and I both have had what we diagnosed as the crud, and uh, it 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 hung on for like two months, man. I mean, it wasn't a yeah. little it wasn't a little measly fifteen days like you had. This was this was this was a two month deal, and uh, we were wondering, you know, could this be COVID? You know, could we have had COVID? And you know, and then we'll finally test, and we don't have COVID. So who who knows? Who knows, man? Well, well, I'm glad things are getting better. I'm glad things are getting better. We're going to talk a little about uh, MFJ in a little while, and uh, let's see how you're doing here. And I, I, I'm interested in supply chain and things like that that's affecting you. I see it here, just the little parts I need. 
and man, the prices they're they're going up on chips and That's stuff. Unbelievable. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a few minutes here. Okay. All right. Well, look. Let's do this. Uh, let's do this. Rich, why don't we just jump right into this, and you can uh, tell us all about CQ next month, and also, do you have any t- kind of announcements for us? Well, first announcement is I have an actual paper copy of CQ in my hands. Look at there. Very, Look very, at that, man. Very, very pleased. Now, that's an announcement that. right and, there. Uh, that, that's yeah. good. And our calendar as well. So we are very, very happy to have things back on the press again and uh, moving out in the mail to people. So that's a, coming as a, a great relief. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Unfortunately, we have decided we're not going to go to Dayton this year um, with the uptick in COVID. I've, I've managed to avoid it so far, thankfully, and mm. I want to keep it that way. Uh, being on an airplane and then being in an enclosed space with 30,000 of my closest friends, <laughs> um, some of whom are vaccinated, some of whom aren't, most of whom won't be wearing masks, Um I'm just not ready to take that chance yet, and uh, so we're we're going to hold off another year and uh, come back uh, when things are hopefully a lot uh, healthier in the world at large. So uh, we're going to miss everybody there, but we want to be sure that we're able to be there next year. So um, looking at our May issue coming up, this is uh, it's a fun issue. It's, it's one of those issues that kind of put itself together a little bit. I always enjoy those. Uh, where the, the magazine tells me what it's going to have in it. And uh, it's, uh, this month we have a Morse code mini special. Uh, we've got uh, a few articles all focused on Morse code. We start out with uh, an article by N5SK called Who Really Invented Morse Code? Which is a really interesting article. Um, and uh, he's been doing some research with on some, you know, firsthand papers and things like that, going to original people who have been going doing original sources. So that's a really very very interesting article. I'm not sure he's persuaded me yet with his conclusion, but we'll see. Uh, next, we have the CW results of the 2021 CQ Worldwide DX contest. Um, you know, for all that that people think that uh, CW is, is dying, we had, uh, let's see, 8,613 logs submitted and four and a half million QSOs on CW. So mm. it ain't dying, folks. It's alive and well. Um, next, we go back in time again to the early days of wireless when uh, wireless first became established as an emergency communication tool back in 1912 uh, an article called cqd sos and the sinking of the titanic a very very interesting story about the radio side or wireless side of the titanic tragedy and uh questioning whether it was preventable Uh, but you know that set in motion the recognition of amateur radio uh, through licensing the radio act of, of 1912 which followed uh, the sinking of the titanic uh, 
gave official recognition to amateur radio, required us to be licensed for the first time. And it also banished hams to those useless wavelengths below 200 meters, where, of course, we discovered the wonders of short wave. Uh, so that was uh, providential. So those three articles together give us kind of a, uh, a look, historical look at Morse code from its very earliest days in the invention of the telegraph to the coming of age of wireless as an emergency communications tool to CW today, where it is still a very, very popular and useful and well-used mode on the air. Um, in the uh, history vein, we had, this is a really cool pair of articles. I had a, a note from a gentleman, W2HAF, telling us about a transmitter that he built from a 1952 issue of CQ. And uh, that he and his dad had built it, and uh, he still had it on his shelf. Really interesting story there. So we worked that into an article with him, and we have that. Uh, plus, we pulled up the original article that had the project in it that he built the radio from, and we're running that as our CQ Classic for this month, uh, called cool. Putting the 6146 on Two Meters, which was in our uh, novice special, because back in the early days of the novice license, novices had voice privileges on two meters. And a lot of you didn't realize that. Speaking of two meters, we try to tie everything together here. We've also got the rules for the CQ Worldwide VHF contest this coming July, which is on two meters and six meters. And uh, that will give us some more activity on those bands as well. Among our columns, Erwin uh, Math, WA2NDM, and Math's Notes writes about inexpensive lightning protection. On listening posts for our shortwave listeners out there, um, Jerry Dexter tells us that Radio Ukraine lives on via WRMI. And this is really interesting because Radio Ukraine International has not been on shortwave in many years now. Um, it's only streaming on the Internet. But it's now back on shortwave, courtesy of WRMI, uh, bringing information from Ukraine directly to listeners around the world. Um, so very, very interesting there. Our emergency communications column this month takes us down to South America and uh, an exercise called Carib Wave, which is a, a multinational exercise uh, simulating a couple of earthquakes and uh, tsunamis in the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean. And uh, this is about the participation of the Venezuelan radio club in that activity. Um, we've got uh, our kit building column, of course. K0NEB is writing about the uh, warm weather bringing out the crickets. In this case, the brand new 20-meter cricket transmit transceiver. Um, I've got a 30-meter one, and uh, I think other, there are other versions for 80 and 40, and now uh, Four State QRP Group has introduced a 20-meter version of this very cool little transmitter all built on one board, and you even got the, the key is built onto the board. Let me see if I can pull up the picture here of the, uh, 
finished. It'll be in color, of course. But mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. that's the whole thing right there. The uh, coils are, are worked into the circuit board. A uh, very, very cool little transceiver. In uh, our homing in column, we've got uh, fox hunting pranks and championship opportunities. Uh, Joe Mel, K0OV, takes uh, some time this month to offer some tips to the foxes instead of the hounds on uh, clever ways of hiding transmitters and making it uh, challenging the hounds to uh, find you. Um, our ham notebook this month, KH6WZ, writes about tracking down noise and the difference between noise and sound. Um, his basic definition is sound is what you want to hear and noise is what you don't want to hear. Uh, so mm -hmm. <laughs> how to get rid of that. Um, every couple of years, Don Rotolo, N2IRZ, our digital editor, writes about computer security and keeping yourself safe from hackers and fishers and viruses and all that. And he's uh, bringing us up to date on that topic again this month. So he's got all sorts of good advice for protecting your computer so that uh, you can keep it happy and it's a part of your shack. In our VHF Plus column, N4DTF writes about waiting for sporadic E, uh, coming up to the summer sporadic E season, um, plus something called meteor scatter mornings. And uh, that's a group that gets together to work meteor scatter. But uh, you don't really have to wait for sporadic E if you live in the southeast, because there have been tremendous uh, trans-equatorial openings over the past couple of months from uh, the Gulf Coast states to uh, Central South America. So that's on six meters. So if anybody told you six meters is only good for local contacts, uh, they're wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. Our awards column is all about the awards offered by the Parks on the Air program uh, in DX this month, which is also our cover story. W2APF writes about his one-man expedition to Montserrat. Um, and it's uh, titled Under the Volcano. Very, very cool article about a fun operation. In our contesting column, N3QE writes about Field Day's new playing field and how the apparently permanent adoption of uh, being able, of Class D stations, home stations, being able to work each other for points has changed strategy and uh, what you want to try to do in your field day operation. Um, it's going to remain in the rules for at least this year, and it's, it's looking like it may very well be become uh, kind of a permanent change in the field day rule, so keep an eye on that. And finally, in our propagation column, NW7US takes a look at the uh, progression of cycle 25, which uh, he is noting, and if you've been on the air, you're probably noting it too, uh, is moving ahead faster and farther than the official predictions so far. So uh, it's quite possible that the scientists who have been predicting a super cycle just might be onto something. So we'll have to wait and see. A um, couple of other announcements to wrap things up here. We have a new contributing editor, Martin Butera, uh, PT2ZDX and LU9EFO, who has been writing uh, 
bunch of articles for us on a variety of different topics, is joining our contributing editor staff as a contributing editor at large. Uh, he's uh, still going to be doing more of the same. This month, he's, he wrote the emergency communications column this month filling in. We do need still a new emergency communications editor. So if you're out there and you're heavily into MCOM and uh, want to share your knowledge and experience with our readers, uh, please get in touch with me and uh, we can talk about that. We also are looking for a new uh, manager for the um, CQDX Marathon. Uh, John Sweeney, K9EL, who has been running it since its inception, has decided that it's time to uh, step aside and let someone else take the reins. So if you're a big DX Marathon fan and you'd like to help give back on that and uh, become its, its manager, talk to me. Uh, we'll uh, talk about that. And we have a new WAZ, Worked All Zones, award manager, um, John Bergman, KC5LK, who's been doing it for nearly a decade now, has decided that it's time for him to step aside as well. And uh, Jose Castillo, N4BAA, Bravo Alpha Alpha, is our new WAZ award manager. And that's effective immediately, so uh, anybody who has any communication regarding work all zones if you're applying for an award um, you should be contacting jose um, email address is his call sign november 4 bravo alpha alpha at cq hyphen amateur hyphen radio.com um, please uh, do not write to john anymore because uh, he's uh, hung up his spurs and uh, passed along all his records and other stuff to jose and uh, Jose, by the way, is eminently qualified to be the manager of the WAZ Award. We have 38 different variations of the Work Doll Zones Award, and Jose has 37 of them. The only one that he is still working on is 80-meter RIDI. So think about that, all the different variations, bands and modes. and uh, he's, he's got them all except that one. So. Hmm. Um, he knows what it takes, and uh, he's uh, probably the, the perfect person to pick up the mantle and uh, take over administration of WAZ award. And uh, looking forward to working with him very closely on that. Uh, so far, we've uh, gotten off to a very good start. So that is about it. We do plan to have another print issue for May. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, the April issue just got to people, is getting to people this week. We're going to try to get the May issue out a week earlier. It's going to take us a few months to get where we should be on the schedule. Uh, but uh, we uh, should have the May issue in people's hands by the middle of the month and uh, hopefully back up a week earlier for June and a week earlier for July. And that should put us right back on, on schedule. So that's where we're at. Uh, we thank everyone for uh, their patience with us. And uh, again, if you are a print, print subscriber, I mentioned this last month, um, and you have not gotten the uh, link for the digital editions of the issues that uh, we only were able to publish in digital form, drop me an email. 
I will send you that link and you can download those issues. Um, and uh, that's where we're at. All right. Well, hey, sounds exciting. And uh, there's a lot going on for sure. Uh, let's see. I made a note here. Something. Oh, yeah. You were talking about who invented Morse code. That, that's going to be interesting. Hey, I, I saw a deal in one of the magazines. Uh, what if Morse code was invented just recently and they came out with a keyboard for it, you know, like a like a computer keyboard, but it just had a dot and a dash on the keyboard, you know. You just <laughs> you just hit the dot and the dashes, you know, to send code. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Maybe, maybe we're going to come up with it. Nope. You know, I think it was a joke, but maybe nobody's got one. So, Martin, I'm going to be talking to you later about the design of a Morse code keyboard that sends a dot and a dash. It's just got two keys on it. Maybe you know, a, I've, I've got one that uses all the keys, and I'm sure I can just pop all the keys and just leave you with, with two, the well, period and the minus. Well, it's got to send a dot and a dash now. Maybe a space I'm bar. Sure I can a make dot, do dot that. and a dash and a space bar. That would be, uh, be kind of cool. Why do you need a space bar? Well, I don't know. To make it That's consistent. That's too many keys. Make it's it consistent. Yeah. Keep well, we could hold costs down 33%, right? By yeah. Believe me not. Okay. Hey, and another thing, man. Cycle 20. Well, wait a minute. You, don't, you only need one key on that keyboard because if you just hit it well, briefly, it'll give you a dent. You hold it down. Yeah, but no, 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 no. Now, now, it's like, then, now it's like a key. I'm talking about a keyboard. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, it can't be a key. I'm talking keyboard. Nobody's got a keyboard. Hey, Cycle 25, man. This is what I've been waiting on for years now. I mean, you know, I can remember back in our 60s and throughout my 50-something years of ham radio, you know, the bands were so good, man, to, to talk anywhere you wanted to. And in my my most recent memories, the bands hadn't been very good. But uh, I've been listening over here lately, and uh, uh, they're picking up. And they're picking up a lot faster than I think the experts have predicted. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, Rich, thanks so much, man, for uh, sharing that with us tonight. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you again next month. And um, good. I guess we'll see you after I get back from Dayton. I guess that's yep. when the show Sorry, will be. Won't yeah, be able to be there. Right. But, uh, but I, 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 you think you'll make it down to Huntsville? That'll be three months later. What are you thinking? Not sure? Well, we're going to have to see how things are going then. Yeah. And uh, take it one step at a time. Well, you know, we made it here last year uh, to uh, Huntsville, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know of any outbreaks or anything that happened. Uh, you know, and we've got Martin here. We can ask questions later. Uh, I think it's kind of like a, a cold right now, you know, maybe a runny nose or something. I don't know. But I'm sure there's still some bad strains in here. You don't want to get the bad one, right? All right, well, save me three to you, man. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome to stick around with us tonight and uh, join in on the discussion if you want to, or just whenever you get ready to leave, just sneak out the back door, okay? Okay. All righty. Good to talk with you, as always. All right. Well, very, good very good. Very good. Okay. All right. Well, that was uh, Rich Mollison with uh, CQ Magazine, and we were talking about next month's magazine uh looks like our uh, number of uh, people have uh, actually increased a little bit in the last few minutes on the show 
Uh, let me ask you again, just real quick, guys, if you will, hit that subscribe button. We need to hit the subscribe button. I won't say it more than two times. Please hit the subscribe button. Thank That's you. That's at least three times. Oh, was that three? I thought it was only two. Okay. All yeah, right. but you said it earlier. Oh, okay. And, and, and again, for the peop new people that just tuned in, this is a show about ham radio, amateur radio, and we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. And uh, we, uh, we make friends all around the world on, uh, by, by radio, and uh, people say it was the first social media network, you know, I guess. So uh, I didn't think of, think of it that way, but, you know, it probably was. Yeah, it really was. When I, when I got my license, my novice license back many, many years ago, yeah, I guess it kind of was. It was really different back then. We'll talk with uh, Martin about that here in a few minutes. Um, let's do this real quick. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back here in just a minute, guys. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuner. QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. See you there? Okay. Well, we're back. Have to fix that. Okay. And Bill just joined us. Uh, w B A E L K. Bill. Our hey, hey, Tom. Yes, sir. As was mentioned by somebody in the uh, chat room, here's my keyboard. A key on a board. Oh uh, well, that's right. But you know, I'm talking about a more. So, I'm talking about a more a sophisticated digital. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. But yeah, uh, more sophisticated keyboard. And it's got a digit. I can. Yeah, carry yeah, digit. yeah. Well, that's digital. Yeah, but the one I'm going to make is going to be really nice. It's going to be a full size, you know, full size computer keyboard, and it's only going to have two keys on it, right in the center. Uh, I don't know if I want to make it. I, I, well, I, you know how people peck and type on a typewriter with you know two fingers sometimes. You know, I, right. guess, I guess you could operate code that way. It might be a little, you know. Dodd, hey, uh, Dodd, I wanted to mention, yeah. Tom. I've got uh, I've got a ten meter, twenty milliwatt Whisper Beacon going for the last last ten days, and it has been open to Hawaii. Canary Islands and the west coast of the U.S. from here in Alabama every day except one. So 10 meters has really been hopping. Yeah, uh, and I've uh, I've listened to some of the higher bands there, and I've, I've been listening. They're, uh, they're starting to open up. And I would imagine something like Whisper, even when you think the band's not open, it's, it's really open, I would imagine. Yeah, it, it, uh, there are several times where the Canary Islands and Hawaii have heard it both of same time this yeah is really phenomenal. yeah well oh, while we're discussing it here real quick with you we'll let's let me just give an update on uh on uh w5 kb 110 real quick 
And we're now, well, I think we're over Algeria right now. And uh, let's see if I can bring this up. We just crossed into Algeria. We're on our third trip around the world. And uh, we're on our first trip around the sun, but uh, our third trip around the world here. And uh, you can see the, uh, the prediction here. This, this, um, this last point here was, was uh, when it went to sleep. So uh, by now, it's done moved into uh, Algeria uh, here. When it wakes up in the morning, I'm trying to think where it might be. Uh, I'm guessing when it wakes up in the morning, it's going to be who knows what. Man. Probably about, about a, maybe 800 to 1,000 miles. It might be in Libya or right in the uh, Mediterranean uh, uh, Sea up here uh, when it wakes up in the morning. And it should wake up. If we got a lot of people have been following this. Uh, it should wake up probably, I'm going to guess, plus or minus a uh, half hour, about 2 a.m. this morning, uh, this, this uh, a.m. tonight. It should, in that central time, it Tom, probably... is this the, one of those uh, clear balloons from Japan, or this no, one of the silver? No, this balloons? is one of the silver. This is one of the silver that came from the uh, balloons. Online? Blooms on the line, yeah. So you can see our, our path is just about always across the top of Africa right here. Uh, and we're going into, it uh, looks like the best prediction here. We're going to go probably into the northern uh, Afghanistan, possibly over here. And then we'll be moving into, uh, we'll be moving into China here pretty soon. Uh, the last I uh, checked, uh, we were doing about, I don't know, uh, on an average, about 90 miles an hour. Uh, so uh, hopefully we've got some good wind. Uh, our altitude, Bill, our altitude has been just perfect. It's been like 41 to 42,000 ever since launch day, which is 27, 28 days ago. I, I don't know if we've lost any gas at all. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? This is the silver blue. It uh, seems to be doing great. How many days has it been flying now? Well... It has been flying. Uh, it's been flying. If we go to our website and we look here, it's been flying 29 days, 10 hours, and 25 minutes and 40, 51 seconds. And how high does the sun have to be for it to uh, operate? Uh, that was one of the questions. Okay. In well, that room. I know a lot of people may not believe this, but there is a. Uh, uh, Pico Balloon tracking site that tracks every every transmission, and we're coming in at about about 18 degrees and out around 18 or maybe 20. Uh, you know, I don't think this thing lays flat to tell you the truth. You know, it it's just not that's just not hanging just straight down. That thing is probably all around at different angles, so I don't know how you can calculate the the real angle there. Uh, Tom, do you have a T-shirt for this flight, a commemorative T-shirt? You know, hey, T-shirt, that reminds me, uh, some one of our viewers asked about this, and we did come up with some swag. Let me pull it up here. Let me, let me, uh, let me pull the swag up. You guys probably hadn't seen this yet, but uh, uh, I think this is some neat swag that Huey, Dewey, and Louie have. There it is right there. Let's, uh, let's get it up there. 
Look at there. That you can get your official W5KUB110. The journey continues with Antronauts, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And that is the tracker that they're flying on right now. They're standing on it right now. So you can get that right there. Now, we haven't priced it yet. I don't know what we should charge for this. Uh, it's probably going to be pretty expensive, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I thought about getting Glenn one. Glenn likes T-shirts, so I thought about getting Glenn one. That'll work. Uh, Do you realize, Tom, this is the first time that you've made it twice around the world, as far as I can remember. Oh, no. We've uh, been more than three times once. and uh, Did you? Oh, yeah. I, in fact, our last flight, we were just a few hundred miles short of two. We crashed in Mexico. Right. But I thought you hadn't made it past one and a half. No, we, we went hours. like, uh, we went three plus uh, up around the Norwegian Sea is where we went down. So uh, okay. we, we made it. So we're shooting for, we're shooting to break the record on this flight to see if we can't, uh, uh, you know, break our own record. And I feel, I feel really good about this balloon, guys. I feel like this thing could fly for months. I mean, it is holding up well. Doing and well, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's holding up well. Um, yeah, you're getting tremendous miles per sugar cube. Yeah, uh, I'm real happy with it, to tell you the truth. Really, really happy there. And we got a lot of people that follow it every day on our Facebook group, and uh, they I think they have contests to see who can who can actually uh, pick it up first, you know. And, uh, and um, I also want to make a uh, note that uh, there is a JT9 transmission, two of them following the whisper transmissions and the jt9 starts at the six minute mark of every 10 minutes uh, for the first transmission and at the seven minute mark for the second transmission so if you want a listening challenge um, the jt9 signal is just below the whisper band um, if you see a jt9 signal down there and it's weak that's probably it and guys i want to following this through uh a remote uh, web SDRs. There's a number of Kiwi SDRs that you can remotely link into, and you loop the audio into WSJT-X, which will do Whisper as well as JT9. And so you can actually tune into a receiver in Europe uh, and and pick it up. And sometimes you can get close enough to hear it ground wave as it passes over a remote receiver. Yeah, and hey, look at this. Uh, this is already outdated. Uh, 10 milliwatts, our little 10 milliwatt, 17,800 kilometers. That's over, over 11,000 miles. Bill, I saw I saw a, a report today that came in at, it was 18,000 and something kilometers at 13,000 miles, so uh, it is hard to believe 10 milliwatts will do 13,000 miles like that. So oh, I've noticed the signal levels on 20-meter whisper from your current flight are stronger than ever before, and part of that's due to the fact that the band is doing so well lately with the sunspot cycles. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's really <laughs> amazing how strong the signal levels have been. And you get a number of reception from the other side of the world. So. And, you know, at that, at that low power, one of the secrets is having a very efficient antenna, uh, a very good antenna. We don't do that. I've got marked that on my workbench 
17 feet and I just pulled 17 feet of wire out and cut it and another 17 feet and cut it and I solder that onto a couple little stubs hanging off the uh, tracker which may be anywhere from one inch to four inches and uh, I try to make it about 34 in- 34 feet total for 20 but I I don't seem uh, to have a need I don't have a need to trim that antenna to tell you the truth 17 feet one inch on each leg seems to be about perfect yeah well um, so you, you know the, the really pretty close to that the problem i've got is i you can't do much better uh in distance uh there is nobody that much further away so we're we're doing okay you know unless you get reception on the moon or mars yeah yeah you know, our, our, some of our past balloons, and it's taken me three years to, to, to realize this. We were flying heavier payloads, you know, upwards of 20 grams, maybe sometimes 22. And I was do, putting uh, redundant uh, solar cells at 45-degree angles, and I was putting LiPo batteries and trying to make them work up there. And, oh, I was doing all this stuff. And, Bill, I'll tell you, the secret and you know the secret, Bill. Uh, it's in one of your presentations, and that was make it as light as you can and then even lighter. And, uh, you know, our entire payload is about 7.8 grams on this flight. So I I think if you can keep uh, uh, keep it down in the below 10 and you can use a small balloon and you can do a good job, I think. Yeah, that's remarkable when you think uh, an HF transmitter with GPS and antenna weighing just eight grams. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, we're gonna Mark, we're gonna get in here with Martin in a minute. If, unless Martin, Martin, you're not a sleeper, are you? Jump in here, Martin. Oh, no, no. All right, I'm, all right. Uh, I'm want, enjoying the conversation. Just want to make sure Very you're still with us because it's going to get real exciting here in a little while. We're going to talk fun ham radio. We're going to talk about, we're not going to quite go back to Spark Gap, but we're going to go back close. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Man, it was pretty close when we got started. <laughs> Is he going to go, we're going to go back close, not quite the Spark, Spark Gap here, but okay. So we're going to have fun here in a minute with Martin, with, uh, with you and, and, and others that want to participate. Uh, so, uh, Bill, you're, you're giving at Dayton, you're giving a forum on Friday at 11 o'clock, I think on pico balloons and you've asked me to uh, share with you a few minutes um are you going to do a launch that day yes right after the forum uh, we're going to launch two pico balloons from the uh, hamvention probably in the uh, food court area yeah and um, hopefully this time they won't get stuck in the uh, into the hex beam of the w8di uh, transmitter yeah, well, you know, we, uh, I was talking to my friend Ed that's going with me. Um, I, I'm gonna, I was gonna bring one, but I know your balloons, your launch, just because up there we got a short runway there, there at Xenia. We have a real short runway and the wind is always about 40 miles an hour out there. And I know you launched the, uh, the APRS and I'm yeah, sure that's what you do APRS. For I'm that sure reason. that's probably what you're gonna do again. Uh, I was going to bring a whisper balloon up there, and we were going to try. I, I was going to maybe try to launch at the same time with you when you launch, you know, outside. But I, I don't know, man. Um, 
you know we had a hard time to not so but if the wind is not bad then uh, go for it well i bring it along just just anyways you know with that tracker hanging almost 20 feet below the balloon that's uh, uh that's a real risk especially if you guys remember uh astronaut wheelock my my friend that was with us uh two years ago we we let when bill launched the balloons we, we let astronaut wheelock launch our balloon because we thought how's the best way to beat everybody else have a real astronaut you know launch the balloon well he crashed the thing two times his first everybody else's went on up but doug the first first one he turned loose it wrapped around an rv mirror uh probably i don't know 100 feet down the, the thing and then and then the second one and we've got a video of this the second one uh it wrapped around a power line and uh, i was watching doug and he he let it go and he doug he was going like this and doug put his hands on his head like this and i thought oh no we didn't lost it now but then i saw him go like this and he stretched his arms out and it came unhooked from the power line and it went it took on off so uh i that that was an aprs one and i i, I don't know if we can get you know, I, i'm just well, I don't know. That. I don't know if we can you'll get in here or not. You have to show that video and during your talk at the Hampton. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's a known fact that all astronauts can use the force. Well, he, we talked about using that little force when that when that uh, tracker wrapped around the wire and it came back around. It you know it generated that extra centrifugal force or whatever it is. You know, it come unwound and took off. You know, so. Oh man, that was I. I well, I probably will bring one, but it is going to be near impossible launch there. Every year I have been there, uh, the winds, the flag on the flagpoles have been stretched tight. Yep. And there's about 20 mile an hour wind. And either that or there are thunderstorms every hour. Yeah, yeah. Someone's asking, what's the wire gauge? Uh, we use number 36 wires, about the size of the wire, uh, hair on your head. I mean, it's pretty small. When I stretch that antenna out and build it here in the, in the uh, ham shack and tie my string around it, sometimes I can't even see the wire or the string. The string is so small, too, that, that I, you know, it's just really hard to see, man. So, now, but, now I think, uh, however, the last two years that the hamvention would have occurred, and when it, you know, it was perfect weather. Isn't that always the way? Well, yeah, you burned your good weather days, you know, when it was not happening. And so now you're going to get all the the rain, the snow, the storms, you know, all the bad stuff. All at once. Well, I just know the wind must be doing 40 miles an hour out here most days. Now, we'll check it out on Thursday to see how it is. But, uh, it, you know, I'm thinking um, we may gas it up at the hotel room thursday night and bring it out there if if we think we're going to launch it i i don't know but everybody you know that, that knows about dayton knows it's going to rain at least one day and if it rains and storms on friday we won't be launching that day so um i should have a helium tank with extra in it uh, and we're going to inflate it in uh, the little break room near the uh, conference rooms yeah, we'll probably do ours in the hotel room. Um, you know, the only thing about these new balloons we're, we're using, Bill, I'm concerned about about sealing sealing it. And uh, 
Um, you know, I'm thinking we're going to have to put some adhesive in there and put a weight on it and press it down and maybe let it sit for 15, 20 minutes. And then I always adhesive and fold it over again. So, you know, but hey, we must have sealed this last one pretty good. Uh, yeah, you did. It's not uh, not leaking out. You used uh, super glue on that one, didn't you? No, on this last one, I used some uh, 3M uh, spray adhesive. And I just sprayed it in a little uh, spot, and I took a Q-tip and sopped it up and just stuck it up in there and just kind of, oh. you know, coated it inside and squashed it tight. Now, that stuff has to kind of be open for a few minutes to get tacky and sticky, you know, before you close it. So you got to be careful, you know, I mean, if you close it instantly, it may not stick, you know, if it doesn't get any air in there. Okay, well, hey, this was, uh, you know, we're going to have fun, and uh, we'll talk more about it. Let's see. Uh, oh, hey, somebody's asking, how do I get this? Let me look. Somebody asked, how did I get this? It's about healed up. You know, uh, Kathy, Kathy is, she's been in North Carolina this week, and her and her friend are up in Kentucky today to go to a quilting show. So I'm sure Kathy's not watching, so I'll be able to to. to tell you what this is right here uh if, if just don't anybody tell kathy but uh saturday night actually was sunday morning about 3 a.m uh, i was at a bar over on uh, lamar avenue and got into a fight with i think five or six guys and one pulled a knife out and i had to take care of that uh, i'm just i'm kidding guys i got in a fight with a dead limb on a bush outside that i was trying to break and it, it won. Okay. All right. All right. Let's get uh, let's get Martin in here. Martin, come on in here. Martin, let's talk. I, I've got a video, Martin, I did uh, at your place a while back before COVID, and we're gonna we're gonna look at some of the radios and stuff that you've got stashed away in your office. And uh, come on in here, Martin, and tell me how 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 did you how did you get all those radios? You what do you well what do you do martin uh well uh first i like your bar story better you like yeah. your bar story <laughs> <laughs> um well i just collected it over the years that those are radios that i wish that i had when i was a kid and couldn't buy them back then but over the years i just saw them at bought them and put them on the shelf and just to look at them uh, well they go back to the 1940s 1950s 60s 70s yeah you uh, know you, you got a great collection we're going to see some of them and talk about them and while while it's playing if there's something special we want to mention or talk about just just jump in and 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 you know yell out and we'll talk about it okay. you know uh that's the kind of stuff that I started with as a novice, a lot of it, and uh, it really brings back old memories, man. I almost got Martin. I almost had tears in my eyes thinking back how good it was back when we were novices back then. Can Can you remember when you were a novice? Oh yeah, it was a totally different time, and you're right. Propagation back then was unbelievable. Now you uh, you got your novice license uh, what in 1960 somewhere around there? Uh, 1960, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, see, so, um, 
You're an old timer. I didn't get mine until 1964. But you know, Martin, you and I kind of, kind of started in the same geographical area. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, you were you 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 were born down in Mississippi on Highway Six. Well, not born, but you lived on Highway 61 down in Mississippi, down in the Delta. Born on Highway 61. Well, yeah. I was born on Pittsburgh. Highway 61 in the Delta, up in Arkansas. Highway 61 oh. goes up, uh, it goes up Mississippi and crosses the, old, the bridge there and goes on up into Arkansas. And So you and I both were born and lived on Highway 61 in Arkansas. Yeah. And we both got yeah. our novice licenses about the same time. And um, uh, you, uh, you turned out to be a, a, a gazillionaire. And own five or six or eight companies now. I don't own any, but uh, you did a little better than me, Martin. But I like oh, to come no, down and visit you, Martin. I like to come see well, you. Well, you come, come see me. Uh, all right. We Very always good. have a good time when you do yeah. that. Now, now, one thing that, you know, you talk about Martin's office and all the cool radios they got there. What he doesn't tell you, and you can't see it even if you're sitting in front of his desk, He's got a room off to the side of his office. We got that's it. He, it. It's you're going to see it. That's where he keeps the good stuff. Oh yeah, we're going to see it right here. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and put that on here and just start looking at this. This is like this is like magic. I mean, guys. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. If you're new to ham radio, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But this is like this is like magic, man. You know. Wow. Okay. Let me get this thing on here. We're going to start it, and uh, Martin, we'll just jump in if we see something we'll talk about here. And he's got at least one of everything. Yeah. Five and six of most. Yeah, here we go. All this great stuff to look at, the old stuff I grew up with. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm having here. Hey, uh, cameraman, Walter. Walter's with me today. Walter's our cameraman. Walter, take a shot at some of this uh, vintage equipment over here, and we're going to step inside here. <clears throat> BFO from night kit, heat kit, that, that whole stack of BFOs, most of them are HW16s, that was a novice receiver transmitter, not a transceiver. Uh, um, now Martin, and, couldn't you have um, just taken one of them? Test equipment there, um, uh, this is a general radio uh, uh, oscillator. That covers from a half a megahertz to 50 megahertz. It can put a watt out. I mean, you can use that as a transmitter. And this is this device here is how they used to uh, measure the uh, resistance and reactance of uh, loads, like an antenna. And uh, there's some more bridges down here, and just um, uh, some more signal generators over here, and. Some old right. receivers. Man, come on in. Walter, bring it on in here. <clears throat> man, uh, we're going to talk about some of the stuff real quick. Look, man. Look at this stuff, guys. This is little prototypes. <clears throat> this is little prototypes and stuff. Uh, I mean, tons and tons of stuff. I don't know if you can look at this or not, but uh, this looks like a little receiver that was uh, prototyped right here. Uh, breadboarded, uh, Manhattan style, where you just solder the components. Uh, to each other. I, am I putting it in the right place? Yeah, yeah anywhere is fine. Uh, Take right. a look at that one. Let's see what this is. This is a, that's a regenerative receiver that yeah. I converted to a single band 
receiver for 40 meters and you you can actually operate and make good contacts with this receiver. Well, that's good. There's not much in it, too. What kind yeah. of chip is that? That's, uh, that's, uh, is that one of those 6029? Uh, no, that's... Uh, that's an LM380. Uh, let's see. Is that the audio or something? Yeah, I can't tell. That's the audio chip. I need it's a half a watt audio output chip. Man, this is, uh, this is so cool, man. Here's, uh, here's a little... Uh, looks like a little... Uh, well, let's look the insides to... Uh, I think I made it to a Z-Match. A Z-Match? Yeah. You got all kinds of matches yeah. here. Here's yeah. a Z-Match. It looks like you've built and that's a, you pull uh, it out. Yeah, you pull it out. It, that's a uh, L-Network. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Got a reversible. That's, uh, that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, verbal inductor there. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I like the way you build it on a board there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a way to do things, man. Yeah. Looks like some type, maybe a low-pass filter or something. Yeah, some kind of filter. Yeah. This stuff, you did this so long ago, you don't even remember yeah, what some yeah. of it is, long, do you? Long time ago. Oh, man. Oh, man, the more I dig in here, I find stuff. <laughs> I find all kinds of stuff. Oh, boy. You remember what this is? Uh, forgot now it looks like some kind of transceiver could be oh man someday i'm gonna come in here when i got more time i'm gonna <laughs> dig in this stuff and see what uh what you got here let's look at some of the radios up here boy you got some heat kits. yeah there's a trp yeah. heat kit uh, oh man it's the eight the yeah. sevens and nine hw7 hw8 <clears throat> hw9 there's a drake there's the power supply form this is a 2B. I had one of these. A guy loaned me one one time. That's a good little receiver right there. Yeah. And some, not some Tentex over there. Oh, oh, wait. What is this? Is That's this a 101? Yeah. I bought my first sideband rig. You know, we were on AM when I started out. But my first sideband rig <clears> was just <throat> like this, but it was, it was the HW100. Yeah, it was, I guess, the one right before this one. And we built. I built that as a kit. It cost $249 when it came out. Of course, that didn't include the power supply. And you know what? I kept that thing 20 years, and I sold it for $249. <laughs> I sold it for what I paid for it. Wow. Night Space Banner. We'll see another one. We'll take a look at that, too. What do we got here? That's a transmitter. This is a transmitter. And I think it's a receiver built in there, too. With uh, six, six U8 tubes. Yeah. Six, yeah, six U8. All right, that's kind of cool. And the power supply I took off out of this key multiplier. Okay. Well, power supply, maybe. No, that's an audio amp. Oh, 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 is that an audio amp? Mm-hmm. That transformer is used as a, a filter. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm. Oh man, look at all this stuff. Well, let's, let's just keep going here. Here's your extended double zip coming in. Yeah, 180 feet long. And you got you at a, a, an IC7300 back here. You yeah. sneak back here and operate. How much do you get on that? Uh, a little bit. Have much time on it. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I'm hiding. A new piece of equipment. Hiding something? I didn't want anybody to see. What's that? That's, That's my new spectrum analyzer. 
All right. What the what? How high, how high will that go? Here. Spectrum analyzer. It goes, I think that one goes up to three gigahertz. Three gigs. Wait. No, it's showing as two gigahertz. Okay, I've got a uh, uh, an IFR piece of equipment with spectrum analyzer. I think it goes up a little over two gigs somewhere okay. in that area. Yeah. Yeah. That's the handy man. Handy. Yeah. Let's so, walk around. Yeah, Let's this see. thing doesn't belong back here <laughs> with all my old stuff. Yeah. Let's uh. Oh, hey, l l just take a quick look at this. Uh, hey, Martin, what is it? You said this is a 40 meter. Uh, yeah, 40 meter. Uh, 40 magnetic meter loop? loop. Magnetic loop. Look at it. Here's a capacitor right here. Everything's 40 welded. Meter loop. It's all welded together. Martin says the problem is it's too big. He can't ship it. So, I don't know. All right. Let's step around in here. Let's step around in your office over okay. here. Okay. Uh, anything? We've got something. Let's look at these other things here. All right, so well, here's a little gizmo you're working on right here. Yeah, that's a pre-selector preamp for these SDR dongles. A pre-selector, so that's going to take out all the garbage coming in on the front end yeah. and uh, keeps, your, uh, keeps it from being overloaded. That's good. Now, is this something? Are y'all producing this yet? Uh, not yet, and we're going to. Will be. I'm just playing, playing with it, working okay. on it. There's a little preamp that comes. That's out of the uh, receiving loop that we have. Okay. All right. Let's step around and let's look at some stuff here. The amazing thing Camera is man. that he's got all that documentation. Oh, yeah. The cameraman this way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Over here, and uh, we got so much stuff to see. New, new, uh, Martin, we get back over here. <laughs> okay. Come on back over. So tell us about some stuff, Martin. Now, okay. I can remember. Seeing one of these when I was a beginning a hand, that would be a nice little receiver for the guy back in 1950, wouldn't it? Oh, that, that, was, a, that was a very nice receiver back then. You know, when I flip, when I turn that knob there, that knob just spins because there's a weight yeah. on the back of it. Yeah, flywheel. What people don't realize is, you know, on the new rigs today, they're very digital. You don't know, you don't have any. Uh, realization of how wide a band really is we just read the digits back then we had analog stuff and i was showing uh walter earlier that 40 meters walter you might try to get a close-up here 40 meters on this receiver you see the seven right here there's seven and seven and 7.3 look at that there's 7.5 40 meter band is right there that's the entire band and what you do you, you kind of get in the frequency you want and of course a band spread let you tune that frequency much more fine tuning so that's what we used back in am and mostly cw uh got some drake stuff okay, let me show you something here that's okay this is a national receiver yeah. this is back in 1950 the way you change bands is you pull this thing out you take that whole drawer out yeah and that put another one in wooden box up there's full of oh bands. yeah so you just Whatever band you want to operate on, you push your thing back in and lock it in. Things seem so much better today, don't they? You don't have to have all those plug-ins. Oops. Oh. Yeah. There it goes. That's how you change bands. And that's the uh, 7 to uh, 14 megahertz band right there. Cool. All right. So, a few tips here. This is a HW99, which was a 150-watt novice radio. I've never seen one of those. I, I didn't, yeah. didn't know about that It one. didn't cover 20 meters. <clears throat> it yeah. was 80, 40, and 15. 
So it was a novice type novice, radio. Yeah, it drifted like crazy. Oh, really? Look at this how is a good old spinning. rig that many people grew up with right here. The transmitter. The DX, uh, what's that, DX20? DX35. Yeah, DX35. Okay. Uh, crystal control. Right above it is a where's DFO. The, where's the crystal hole a socket? Oh, it's it. inside. It's behind it. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. You had a switch to select crystal yeah. there. Right up here is the first Heathkit transmitter, DX under AT1. Yeah, I think it's okay. so twenty nine ninety five back in the early fifties. Yeah, and here's the socket on here for the crystal. Let's see what we got going over here. Boy, a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. See, this is a line of our original products right there. Um, Some of your original stuff, corner, your yeah. uh, keyers, yeah. and when it first started out. Yeah. In fact, I had the cure and some of the other things that you make here. Um, what is this, what's this guy? What is this thing? Is that a antenna tenor? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a Millen Millen. Yeah, James Millen antenna tuner. And there's a Heathkit antenna tuner up at the very top, and there's a World Radio Lab antenna tuner. Um, that little light gray one with the gold-looking knobs, uh -huh. and right below that is another antenna tuner made by Latin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Well, here's no, an old... No, it's Lysco. Here's a little Harvey Wells Oh, that's, that was the original no, Z-Match. That's, that's, that's not the trigger. The original Z-Match, yeah. Z-Match. All right, now we're getting into kind of some of my stuff here. That was my receiver as a novice, and the neat thing about it was it had 80... 80 through 6 meters, and that was the entire ham band. So if you looked at the one we showed you earlier, a ham band was about an eighth of an inch long. Here, the ham band is like 6 inches long. So that was a great receiver, and it also had 6 meters on it. This was a matching transmitter to that receiver. I did not have this, this transmitter. Again, crystal control. Your crystals, uh, back when we were novices, you had to plug a crystal in. Everybody had only two or three crystals. That's the, the great equivalent the 2NT transmitter uh -huh. and the 2C receiver which was a competitor of the helicopter oh, wow. right next I to didn't, it. I didn't know that. that <clears throat> but look right above that 2NT Drake transmitter, that big black box. Uh -huh. That's an instructograph that had paper tape for teaching you more skills. I've, I've seen those. I saw one. I even saw it, I saw it operate once. That, that's kind of cool. Let me All show right. you one other thing here. Okay. See these two boxes here? Here? Yeah. Richardson. They're the same thing. That was the very first piece of transistorized uh, ham radio equipment. It's a uh, it's a uh, converter for a broadcast band uh, radio in your car, and it allowed you to have ham band only. Receiver. That was see okay all right I know I know exactly what you're talking about there it hooked in between the antenna and the radio yeah. and and, and, the, and it was a converter and the early version of it is over there to the upper top at the right that's a Gonset uh, mobile converter but used tubes oh that's, that's 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 cool now back over here first of all I, while I've got my eyes on it there was my first transmitter this was a uh, kit it was a uh, night T150 150 watts. The nice thing is it went through six meters, 80 through six. 
And again, we weren't allowed to use the VFO when we were uh, novices. We had to plug a crystal in right here. But uh, I built that as a kit. Martin, I had a, what is it, the Helicrafters, I, I think I had a SS-38 somewhere and I lost it. Yeah. I don't know what happened to it. But uh, those are kind of neat. Now, did, that was the S53. Were, were these ever good enough quality for a ham to use yeah. to receive? Yeah, they were. I mean, back then, you know, you used just about anything, anything you, you had. get your hands yeah. on. That's, that's right. Yeah. Today, that would be very crude. Yeah, it would yeah. be very crude, yeah. Uh, so this is a nice receiver. Is this the, the R100? R100. That's yeah. the match to that. Yeah. yeah. That would have been a cool receiver. They had a built-in key multiplier. Uh huh. Yeah. See, we got stuff down here below. Oh yeah, that's cool. the S. This is unique. It's like the S thirty eight receiver that you had, uh -huh. but that had a transmitter built into it. Oh, see the it, transmitter receiver uh, switch. Yeah, that is cool. The output tube of the transmitter was the audio output tube. Was it something like six V six or yeah, something? Yeah, something or? like that. And that's a Hamelin. Yeah. Uh, HQ 110. Yeah, I love the looks of this uh, Helicrafters here. That's that looks like this SX 1 Yeah. 110 SX S10 S what 10B? S 10B or let's see. see what that is. Oh yeah, S 108. 108. Yeah. Okay. That oh, that's a like the OS 40. Yeah. And this is a pre. This is a Helicrafter, but it was. Before Halicraft bought them. Okay, so it's carrying the name Echoes, yeah. Echo Phone. Yeah. Okay. Got some and, national and, stuff yeah, the here. National uh, SW54 was a shortwave receiver. And this is one of the early first transistorized transceiver. That's a Yezu FT7. That's the B model, but the uh -huh. first one came out was a 10 watt model. All right, well, let's look on down here. Let's see what we got down here. Uh, that's a homebrewed something that I got off of eBay. I haven't hooked it up to play with it. Plate amps, transmit, receive, yeah. uh, meter, let's see, transmit tuning. This, I don't know, I, this may be a transceiver, I have no idea. Yeah. Receiver tuning on this side. Yeah, it's a receiver transmitter. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting, that's nice homebrew. Uh, yeah. now, down here are some of the first uh, transistor radios that broadcast band that Heathkit had. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the little one. Yeah. I remember when the little stuff came out and people started carrying it. You could carry it around with you. This this is a Fillmore radio very much like the first one that I had built. One transistor. Alright. Well, here we got the space banner. Uh, so that was your first receiver. First right receiver, yeah, regenerative receiver. And you never heard him. They never made a contact with it. Couldn't make contact with it. Isn't it terrible? The old stuff we had to <laughs> try to use. You know, we made it work. And here's your. That's here's the a, Amico. Here's a transmitter. This is probably similar to what you had. Yeah. Uh, when you Six started out. Right here. So again, <clears throat> we were all. Crystal control. Here's a crystal for 3757 or something like that. You got two crystals plugged in. This is how we got our frequency. This is what the FCC said we had to use, and 
to change bands on this thing. Of course, you had to change the frequency of the crystal. But uh, you unplug the 80 meter coil and you plug in, say, the 40 meter coil. That's how we changed uh, changed bands. And, boy, we had probably a whopping how many watts, Martin? Oh, and that probably put out five to seven watts. Five to seven watts. Yeah. Ah, let's see what we got. But anyway, hey, the old Conar. I had a friend that built one of these back in the early '60s. This is uh, interesting here because Johnson, and if you look, so yeah, these two are kind of kind of interesting. Martin, and you were telling us that if you look closely, they're identical. Yeah. One is a night kit. One is a Johnson mm -hmm. Johnson Adventure. Uh huh. And uh, of course, you can see all the knob placements uh, are, are all the same. And now that one came out as a kit. And mm -hmm. You know if this came out as a kit? It did. It did come out as a kit. Now yeah. look over here. See this? This one right up there. SBE thirty four. That was one of the very early, mostly solid state transceivers. Uh huh. It had a tube in the final, and the driver tube it was driver was also a tube. Now this one right here is interesting. That's a Godset. That's not a transceiver. It's a transmitter and a receiver. They're separate. Mm. That's interesting. Well, and here's our VFO. This is, you know, today you just tune that big knob and the digits pop up on what frequency you're on. This is what we had. This is a, this is a VFO. If you wanted to be on a 7200, you just turn that up uh, right around, uh, put that pointer somewhere around 7200. And now that that only set the the frequency of the transmitter, right? And you had to set your own receiver frequency. Oh, that's that's true. That's our that's the VFO, and uh, things have changed a lot. Wow. Well, look, hey guys, that's just a quick tour of some of the uh, vintage vintage gear that uh, Martin has here. Martin, when I have more time, I'm gonna come back and play with some. Of these. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I tell you what, boy, that, that... Hey, guys, we're at MFJ. Oh, let me stop it here. Martin. Martin. Wow, what a collection, Martin. You know, as I look through your video, everything's still in the same place. It, it is, is it? <laughs> well, you know, I noticed, you know, you, you said, you know, you, you know, as you became successful and older and made some money then you could afford to collect these things where you know we were novices we we couldn't do that now i saw it looked like to me you had five or six or seven hw 16 stacked up why why do you need so why do you need so many why you know what wouldn't one be good enough for a collection but you got to have six of them you must like you must like the hw 16 it's a it's a good little radio. Sometimes things are uh, priced right, and you might as well get another one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. Let you see mine. That's the start of oh, my collection. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever use it? No, it's got to be uh, recapped. I've got the kit, just haven't had time to put it back together. Okay. Well, you know, now I got a question, guys. You know, I, I hear about all this recapping. I understand that. I understand old caps can go bad, and 
I grew up in a TV repair shop with my uncle, and, you know, when it's radio, when a cap would go bad, you'd start hearing a hum, you know, on the, on the radio, or you'd start seeing a bar on the TV picture, things like that. But, you know, I've got some really, really old equipment that's never been recapped, and to me, it sounds like it's working fine. I, you well, know, it'll work they, fine until it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I don't well, know. if it wor- if it works, I wouldn't put more caps in it. Yeah, I mean, you know. So, <clears throat> well, the big thing is they use the old paper capacitors, and yeah. they'll dry out and go bad on you, and then those yeah. big old metal cans will start leaking on you. You ever had one explode? Um, we won't talk about those. <laughs> I, you know, I, yes. I, I, I've seen them that exploded. I never had one explode on me. I don't, I don't think, uh, unless I intentionally made made one explode here. Well, uh, man, you know, now that that was just a great visit there. I, I enjoyed looking at all that stuff. Uh, as I said, it brought back old memories. But in addition, in addition to that, when I go down to see Martin, he doesn't know it, but I slip around. And I go into all the different. Different companies. I go back there in MFJ, and I go over to Ameritron, and I slip over to uh, you know Vectronics and all these things, and I get to I get to look back here at the stuff they're building it. You know when they're building it at different stages, and uh, there's a lot to see down there more than just what you saw in his office. I mean, uh, I tell you, this is a uh, the. There's a lot of ham radio accessories being made in in the USA, and uh, MFJ is making those. Um, and I heard someone say it one time, and I do believe this. Probably, on only average, probably just about every ham in the world might have at least one piece of MFJ equipment. You know, um, so. Martin, you've really, really come a long ways from the days of uh, renting the hotel room. You started your company up in a hotel room. And what was your rent back then, Martin, for your company? Uh, well, this was a broken down hotel room down in downtown. And the room I rented, they couldn't rent to anyone else. There was no plumbing, no furniture. And I paid um, $16 a month. 50 cents a day to rent that room. And all I did was uh, build products in it. And the manager ran me off because I started stinking up the place. Yeah, I guess that sulfur or whatever some, uh, chemical you used to make circuit boards, that stuff's pretty strong. So you mean you had a 50 cent a day facility and you got run out of it. I just That's just hard to believe. <laughs> Hard to believe here, man. Uh, now there, well, I had a I had a hot plate with a Pyrex dish on it, uh, heating up um, ferric chloride to, to etch yeah, PC boards. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And I had a hand drill mounted in a uh, stand where I used to drill the hose in the PC boards. <laughs> oh man! Well, hey, I don't know if people noticed it. But in your office there, we walked by, and in the background, there was a picture. There was a picture of a general store, I think one of your family members drew, of uh, the store where you grew up in. And you were you had a pretty large family there, and you grew up uh, 
uh, as a young kid in that grocery store working there, and you, I'm told you had your shack up in the attic, and you didn't even have a floor up there. That's 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 true. Yeah, uh, I think I took some ends made of uh, wood from pallets and put sheet of plywood or an old door on it. And that that was my station. With the uh, regenerative receiver and the, the home-built transmitter. Well, he, he must have been one tough little kid because, let me tell you, and I can remember growing up and maybe the first few years I remember we didn't have air conditioning. But, you know, down here in the south, it gets hot. And I can tell you, up in the attic, it gets even hotter, man. So I don't I know if you say, were. The attic in the Delta just had to be sweltering. Yeah. I don't know uh, if you operated year-round or if you were kind of a seasonal person up there, but uh, you were on the top of this little general store there, and you guys sold everything, didn't you? And you, uh, uh, I, the picture there, I see the old kerosene uh, pump outside where people could buy kerosene or coal oil. I guess you call it coal oh, oil. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, down there. That, um, that, was, for, that was for lamps. A lot yeah. of people didn't have electricity back then. Yeah. They used coal oil lamps. Well, that's that's true, and I remember my my dad talking about uh, he he didn't have electricity for a while, and uh, they had electricity in the barn, but they didn't have electricity in the house. There was a railroad track that went between them, and I don't I would have figured out how to get that electricity over to my house. Believe me, uh, if I was there. But um, you know, I can just see you there. Uh, you you worked, didn't you? When you were a little bitty kid, I bet you wasn't four feet tall. Oh, you were yeah. probably a salesperson. We had we had to stand on milk crates so we could see over the counter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember one story. Now I guess the statute of limitations is already gone, but I remember one story where I think you worked in the meat department or butcher shop back there, and the, the a slab of beef was so big you couldn't even carry it. Well, that's true, and I had to get it across. To the uh, chopping block somehow, so I just dragged it across. Drag it across the floor. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? You know, you're going to cook it anyway, so, you know. Yeah. That's that's a pretty cool area, man. Uh, well, so that's when you were young. You were growing up. Uh, you finally got your license down there. Uh, I think you probably hooked up with uh, a friend, maybe a, a TV repairman down here. That, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Was he a ham? Was he a ham also? Or not? Yeah, he, he was. I was listening to my crystal radio one evening, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I heard a voice come on. could hear one side of the conversation. It turned out to be a uh, TV repairman, and he was operating his uh, AM uh, station, AM transmitter on 75 meters. And... Uh, hunted around for him until I found him. He had a TV shop in the alley in Hollandale, Mississippi. Yeah, you know, you know, Martin. Uh, at our church, I I met a person, a lady, a couple months ago. She's from down in Mississippi, and her name is Jew. Her name was Jew, so I think she was. She met you actually one time. I think at some uh, museum or something that you were opening somewhere, and she got to meet you. But uh, I think I met one of your distant relatives down there. Well, could could have been. 
She was kind of um, kind of a common, not real common, but kind of a common name. Yeah, it, it's a name that's from a village, but the whole system of names have changed. Oh, since really? Back from the old days. So, were there a lot of Jews? I mean, is now I, you know, I spent a year in Korea, and and everybody in Korea was named Kim. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, well, Mr. Kim. Th there weren't a lot of Jews, but there were a few. Yeah. Uh, in Mississippi, there there were two groups. There were Joes and Jews, and they got them all mixed up. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Oh man. So now, so. What got your family over here? Your, your great was it your grandfather that came over and worked with a railroad? Well, my great grandfather came over. Yeah, he helped build a transcontinental railroad. And from the stories I've heard, he was—I um, forgot what they called him. He was like a dynamite guy. He drilled a hose <laughs> in the side of the mountain, stuffed it full of dynamite, and blew it out. Well, I he, went, he went back to China. Man, I hate to, hate to say this, but, you know, that was a pretty dangerous job, and I, I just wonder if they gave him the job of the dynamite guy because he really was an expert, or if they just... He was expendable. He was expendable. Yeah. You know what I'm talking I think about? that's what it is. Yeah. yeah well, there was, there was smile and nimble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I wonder if he knew where the golden spike was driven at. Is that, you know? I'll, well... Uh, I don't know. He, I wonder if he, he might have lasted that long. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. So great grandfather, I guess, came over and built the railroad and all that, and you guys just uh, settled down in Mississippi. Any anywhere yeah. else in the country? Uh, I think it was my father was in Arkansas, but my grandfather was in Mississippi. In fact, uh, both my father and grandfather are buried in Memphis. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. But I, my grandfather had a grocery store in Mississippi. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Well. Uh, so, Martin, what led you from Hallandale over to uh, Starkville? Uh, Mississippi State. Ah, uh, engineering go. degree, yeah. Went there and finished with a degree and uh, went to Georgia Tech for a master's, worked for a year, came back to Mississippi State and never left. Yeah. Well, I, I I understand that's, that's called, uh, what's that called? Stark Vegas. Yeah. Must be a lot going on down here in Stark Vegas, man. You must really like well, it down here to have gone back and stayed. Yeah, no. When you know when I uh, started at Mississippi State, we had five thousand students. It's up to nearly twenty five thousand students now. Wow. Now you, you you used uh, a lot of students in your company as you grew your company, didn't you? Have students building your products. Well, I did. I was uh, teaching, and I used to go in classes with bags of parts and just kind of wave them around at my students and ask if anybody wanted to put these things together for 25 cents a piece. Uh, that was our first production line. Awesome. That's cool. 
Uh, do you, uh, do you, you've got, how many, how many companies do you have now down in Starkville? Can you name them all or do, you know? Uh, there, there's six companies, MFJ, Ameritron, Highgain, Cushcraft, Vectronics, and Mirage. Okay. Do you, uh, I guess, um, do you use a lot of people from the college there or, or, or not necessarily college? Uh, no, it's it's mostly just regular town people. Uh-huh. I mean, there are several that uh, have uh, graduated from the college. Yeah. But there are all local folks. The um, engineers uh, we had uh, worked off-site. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got some engineers that work for you that are... Well, like up in New York or somewhere, or I mean, they're they're yeah. not close by, right? Yeah, there were. We had a guy in New Jersey. Uh, let's see, guy in Georgia, um, one in Jackson, Mississippi, one in uh, New Hampshire, um, one in Maine. Wow! Yeah, uh, it's just hard to get people to come. Come down to Starkville. Well, it's not hard for me to come down there. I want to come down here again and visit. And I think COVID is just about getting down where it's so getting to be okay to get out. It's it's pretty normal around this part of the country. Uh, I'm yeah. going to come down and see you again now. So let me ask you something: What are they doing with all these no left turns down there on your street? I mean, do they fix it? No left turns, or you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, um, you can do a U-turn. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. You can do a U-turn, but you can't do a no-left turn. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll figure it out, I guess. Maybe I just make. Uh, let's see. One. Maybe I just make three rights. That's what I. That's what I have to make. Make three rights there, I guess. There. Yeah. Uh, uh, question, Martin, and this has been asked in the chat room a couple times. Y'all planning another one of your blowout barbecues for your fiftieth anniversary? Well, I'm I'm not sure. It just depends on how the COVID thing goes. I mean, we've got this another variant coming. Yeah. Well, when is when is the fiftieth? It's coming up here pretty quick, isn't it? Well, it's it's this year. Oh, it is. Wow. Well, I yeah. think I, I honestly think you could have a small picnic. Maybe invite a few of us. You know? Yeah. We could yeah, do that. Just like we, me and Tom. We'll yeah, do. we could, uh, you know. Uh, we'll eat enough for everybody you else. You know, Glenn, yeah. Bill, but, myself, we could come down there to park and eat chicken and all that stuff. Boy, that was really good. And, you know. We're going to come down anytime. We can uh, keep our distance there and uh, uh, eat, eat, have, have that chicken down at the park. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I invite everybody to come and visit us. And we're giving tours again. Yeah, and you had a lot of people on the forty fifth that came down here. They came there. People came from a long ways. Uh, I, one of the guys in our chat room yeah. here is Bill uh, W uh, what is it W Z one L. I think that guy's call yeah, right. Yeah, one L. Yeah, Bill. He came down from Massachusetts and with me and uh, drove down. Yeah, yeah. And, I remember uh, Bill. and then we've had people from uh, North Carolina and Florida and all just a lot of places. You know, you uh, you pulled a lot of people. And uh, they had a good time down here. Yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, that was. You know, I was there at your. Was it the fortieth and the forty fifth? 
Mm-hmm. And they were both a lot of fun. I enjoyed being yeah. there. Well, we just have to see how the how this COVID thing turns out. Well, you know, I think I think this COVID it's this stuff is going to be around forever now. It's going to be just like the flu. Is every year we're yeah. going to have it. You I know? think you're right. And I don't know if you can. You know, I you know I get a flu shot every year. You know, maybe they'll come up with a a booster for the you know for that strain of uh, of COVID. But I think COVID is going to be here many years and already already here things are back normal uh martin i mean life is going on here just like nobody's talking about covid uh they're going out and doing the things they used to do before all everything is open everything is good here uh there's there's haven't been any major breakouts but you know it's gonna again it's gonna be like a flu people are gonna get it Hopefully, it'll be like what you had, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, just uh, be very, um, very mild, and and that's it. You know. Yeah, yeah, but on the other hand, there's going to be some permanent changes here. I mean, in my situation, I'm going to work in an office just two days a week, and then I work from home remotely the other three. I think you're going to see a lot of that, you know, moving forward in the future. I don't think you're ever going to have the full 40-hour week. For everybody like we've done in the past it's you know it's going to be a, a mixture of the on-site versus working remotely. yeah probably probably jobs. some of the businesses are going to be like that someone asked uh, about ham fest or the ham fest back fully normal i think so i mean you had we, we've had all kinds of ham fest in this part of the country the st louis the memphis the you know jackson mississippi uh, new orleans uh uh huntsville huntsville was here last year you know i mean the ham fest are back pretty much and uh yeah i think the big question yeah. here is is mfj fully back at the ham fest you know i saw richard and the gang down there in the orlando ham fest i'm assuming you're gonna have the gang there at dayton as well yeah we're, we're uh we're going to be at dayton yeah we're trying to get back up uh to go into ham fest but you were talking about working remotely it's kind of hard to work remotely and deep production That's yeah true. oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know i i heard on the news I, I read or heard on news somewhere um they've done a well, survey they, they they've done a survey on these people that work been working at home the last two years and now the companies are wanting those people to come back to the office and the people are saying no we don't want to come back to the office we want to work from home or we're going to quit well yeah. basically i think martin was talking about me with that because yeah oh yeah <laughs> I'm enjoying working from home. Yeah, well, I, I did too. Uh, even before COVID, we uh, I enjoyed it. And some people's jobs can do that, and some people's jobs can't. Like Mark was saying, you can't you can't do a lot of the stuff that happens at MFJ remotely. You got to have hands on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, assembly line is pretty tough to do it at home. Yeah. Well, I'll build my part here, and then I'll mail it to somebody else. Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, Martin. You know, I was talking to Martin and Dale on the phone about the the supply chain shortage and the prices of chips and shortage of uh, chips and stuff and and i see it's i don't know if bill's still in i guess yeah bill's still in here i know bill's uh been trying to buy some uh uh uh, 328p uh, arduino chips and they're up to about four bucks a piece now they used to be about a buck a piece but martin Uh, tell us actually they're a dollar seventy they used to be a dollar seventy two for the 
Yeah. The 328P, I just bought a batch for 7 or $8. Oh, yeah. Wow. Shipping. Martin, uh, tell us. Martin. And it took six weeks to get, but oh, wow. I now have 20 of them. But well, they're like $7 a piece instead of, you know, uh, they're, in other words, they're about three times, three to four times the normal price. Well, I, I have found some, I have found some much cheaper than that, but, you know, who knows, they're probably floor sweepings, and they come from China, and they come in little plastic bags and all kinds Most of stuff. Likely, you know? they probably are end runs from an assembly house, one of those big assembly houses. They have, they still have some yeah. on the reel, you know, when yeah, they do a yeah. large batch, and they're too small to be of any use to anybody except for me that, us that are desperate to get little microcontrollers. Well, Bill, listen, listen at this. Uh, uh, Martin, uh, you know, Martin was talking to me today, and there, Hold on. there's uh, there's one little chip in their antenna analyzer, and it used to cost about a dollar seventy. And Martin, what's that chip cost you now? Well, it's a uh, it's an A to D converter, and it's up to eighty five dollars. Oh my gosh! We're, so wow. So we went now the your antenna analyzer that you've got a dollar seventy chip in it now that chip is eighty bucks and uh, yeah, I what's so what are you gonna what are you gonna do Martin are you gonna have to raise the price or do you have enough in stock to hold you until uh, the price comes down no, we just have to wait until the price drops down that affected the uh, one of the models but the other model models use the a to d that's built into the microprocessor ah okay yeah well i'll this, tell you this, i i looked tom on the uh on mauser and digikey for the uh microcontrollers that i want mm -hmm. and they have a lead time they say zero stock when i clicked on the lead time they said they'd be in stock in may of 2023 yeah, Holy yeah, cow. yeah 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 well, now we're, we've got some products or uh, parts that we ordered over a year ago. And we're just now getting them. Wow. Hey, Martin, tell us about, you know, I, I, and I saw on the news these containers that come from China. Uh, I was hearing that the cost, it used to cost about $1,000 to bring a container in. And that cost now, I, I heard a month or two ago that it was, you know, four or five thousand dollars. But do you do you get container stuff like that? Well, the last container we got, we paid twenty seven thousand dollars just for the shipping. Mm. And it what did it use? What did it used to cost you? It was in the five six thousand dollar range. Yeah, even lower before then. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Martin, it sounds like you might need to open up a chip manufacturing company. You know, <laughs> with that would be well, your seventh, seventh or eighth company. Uh, you well, could open that. All the other stuff. Why not chips? Yeah, yeah. Make your own well, chips. We're waiting on Intel to get their stuff built. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can uh, you could you could open that up down there, and man. Uh, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, if you do, uh, please make those uh, 328P chips for Bill and myself. <laughs> we, uh, 
We'd like yeah, to. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, we, we use those too. We Do can you? hardly get them. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, we I can, I can the, get them. I'm sure you need them on the strip for your machine, right? Well, we need a lot of them is the problem. Oh, really? So yeah. to to put them on your machine, I get do you do y'all you do hand solder them or do you use a machine to put those no. on? No, no, it's a, it's done by machine. Now, they're so, either I think they're in uh, in rows. Yeah, they're in a they're in a strip, uh, little yeah. holes like like film or something. So um, so you've got to have it in that strip to put yeah. it in your machine and yeah. I, I I don't even know if you could buy strips of five or eight. That might be even be not worth trying to put in the machine, right? It wouldn't. Yeah, I, you need a, I think they they come on reels. So yeah, you need a reel of them. It's like three thousand of them on the reel. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I can still get them, but because see, we're hand, I'm hand soldering them, and uh, I, I they're available right now for a few bucks. You can get them. But the problem is, uh, Tom. When when I have to do uh, machine soldering yeah. at the assembly house, they have to be in a strip. Oh yeah, in yeah. The reel, and the ones that I get from these places in China for four times the price, they're just in a bag loose. Well, yeah, I, yeah, and that's the that's the problem. To the, I can't send that to the assembly house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's because you know I hand solder mine and. Anyway, um, you know, maybe it's a real problem, and it's uh, and it's the reason. There's several reasons COVID of being number one, but the chip is not made in one spot. So they've got a lithograph in Europe that does the uh, the actual layout of the chip, and then it has to go to another factory do the dies and then it has to go here there's like one microprocessor has to go to four or five factories and if one of those factories is shut down or has a yeah. supply problem the whole thing messes well here's the solution w8gmf has the solution we go back to tubes hey there actually, you go actually there's the problem because most of your tubes are coming from russia these days oh no oh, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's <laughs> so, bad yep you're out of luck with the tubes. Oh, uh, yeah. Man. Spark gap. Here we go. Yeah. Yep. Martin, we're going to take all this. Uh, I got an old Model T coil. I can, I can definitely do spark yeah. gap. We're just going to start taking all of Martin's rigs off the shelves and, and moving them out the door. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He, he may have to change his business model there and start selling some of those, uh, so, some of that collection. No, I, got I think the idea of him creating his own chip fab is is the way to go you know i mean you know there's there's still half of you know starkville that's available so i'm sure he can find a building over there yeah i i have to say when i was uh, in grad school we uh we made our own transistor in the lab yep yeah and, yeah uh, well. we had to dope it properly and and put it in the oven for a certain amount of time which we had to calculate precisely and so we calculated 21 minutes on the nose, and ours punched through and didn't work. Everybody else had a problem, except the teaching assistant. And I said, how come yours worked and ours didn't? 
he says, well, on paper, in theory, it says 21 minutes that you had to put it in the doping oven. But I know that the doping oven is a little on the hot side, so I did 20 minutes. Oh, wow. This is exactly how these factories, the fab factories, yeah. they set them up. They set it up to theory, it doesn't work, and they, they tweak it empirically until it works. Well, I've got the whole solution for you right here. What is it? I got to get it first. You got plenty of cat whiskers. Yeah. Get some yeah. razor blades and cat whiskers and just go back to the, the crystal radios. Well, that that might work. That might work. Hey, let me correct something. I, I said a while ago, uh, WAGMF suggested going back to tubes. That was not him. He he uh, he denies it. That was uh, that was that <laughs> was W that was WDA IOL that said let's go back to tubes. But I agree. Let's go back to tubes, man. I'd love oh, yeah. some some uh, things. Hey, cat whiskers and Martin, you probably are the most highly qualified skilled builder or engineer here and you built stuff when i was a baby and you built tell us about your first uh crystal radio man how did it work well it um came out of a cub scout handbook foxhole crystal radio that the soldiers built during world war ii uh made up of a uh rusty razor blade piece of pencil lead that was the crystal detector and you just move that pencil lead around until you could hear something and uh wound the coil on an old oatmeal box yeah Uh, that was the radio so how how good was the reception with that radio you built well i never could get it to work That had to be. You may have used the wrong. If I remember correctly, it was supposed to be a Gillette double-sided razor blade. Well, it might have been. And you may have had the wrong had razor blade. We plenty of those. You may have had the wrong razor blade. Might, might have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, those razor blades back then, the Gillettes had a special coating that was different than the standard stainless steel or whatever blades they were using at the time, and. That's what gave you the the diode effect. Yeah, yeah, probably okay. so. Yeah, those that was the uh, blue ones, the blue. Yeah, the blue, blades. the blue blade. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. My first my first radio was a Galena crystal, and uh, and I wound the coil on a uh, toilet paper tube, and it worked great for the local uh, radio station uh, downtown. But that was about all I could pick up on it. You know, Hollandale was far away from any radio station. You oh, had yeah. A pretty yeah. good antenna to pick anything yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. antenna and a ground on that crystal set. Yeah. Probably, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what the closest. I don't know if Jackson was closer or Memphis or probably Jackson maybe or something. I don't know. Well, I think we had a station about 30, 40 miles away yeah. from us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, well, that was a uh, fun days. Uh, I think I built a crystal set like that, but I don't remember. I think it might have worked. But well, now here's the question. Yeah. MFJ is actually still selling that crystal radio as a kit. Now, Martin, do these ones work? 
Those one work. Well, I Those imagine use I, a, uh, a one in three four yeah, diode. Yeah, I was going to say they got a germanium diode in there instead I could, of. A, I couldn't resist that. Instead yeah. of a razor blade, <laughs> instead of a razor blade, they got a germanium diode in there. That's uh, that's probably the secret right there. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. making the crystal radio is harder than it seems. No, winding no. that coil is pretty hard. Well, you know, and, and if if I remember if I remember correctly, the coil you had to you had to remove the one I built or saw you had to remove the insulation off that that enamel insulation off of it, and we had a slider yeah. that that slid on oh, it. Yeah. And I, I don't yeah. remember how we I don't know if we used sandpaper or so. You had to remove the uh, enamel off that off the edge of that coil. Mm-hmm. Well, this uh, it was last year, I think. Uh, I built one of those crystal radio kits for my little seven-year-old granddaughter, mm-hmm. and I had a hard time winding that coil. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, in your kit, you need to sell a coil already wound, you know? No, yeah. no. Winding the coil is half the fun of doing this, you know? Yeah. That's, you know, you know, kind of like found, the wagon trail across country, you know? I found the whole pile of coil forms, the plastic, the clear plastic coil forms. Oh, man. Two sockets. I found a whole pile of them in my barn the other day. Yeah. If anybody needs one. <laughs> no, I, these days, if I wind anything, it's probably a toroid. Yeah. So, hey, Bill, I'm thinking, man, I'm... I don't know why I want to mess something up good. I'm thinking of a new antenna. I'm thinking, you know, other people discuss this for the tracker instead of a 20 meter dipole. I'm thinking of a I'm thinking of a 20 meter infed, but I'd have to match it, and I don't want to put a little I don't want to put a little toroid down here. I, I'm just wondering if I could do a little air coil, you know, a four to one, or not it'd be a forty. What would it be? A, it'd be a forty nine to one, forty nine to one air coil. You know. Yeah. Well, Bill's got a lot of coil forms. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I can fix you up, Tom. Well. <laughs> we can go old school. Yeah. Going to be a little big. Heavy. <laughs> hey, let me make a quick announcement here real quick. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our after-the-show show. We, we have, we're having so much fun. We didn't uh, get to open the phone lines or the uh, Zoom for anybody tonight, but... Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We tried to uh, uh, bring you in at least through the chat room with comments and questions. If you're out there listening on shortwave on uh, WBCQ 7490, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to Tom at W5KUB.com. The show's about ham radio, amateur radio, and we're coming out to you from Memphis, Tennessee tonight. And this is a live video show. You can watch it Tuesday nights just by going to W5KUB.com. Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we'd love to uh, have you join us there. So, uh, again, thanks to everybody that's tuned in on Shortwave and also the ones in the chat room there. And we'll be uh, closing the show down in just a few minutes, but I wanted to get that announcement out. And, man, hey, hey uh, Martin, we're so happy to have you tonight. Uh, uh, if you're not if you're not here every night, Martin, we're gonna I'm gonna put a piece of paper up here like they did in grade school, and you get a gold star every time you're here. But when you're not here, you're gonna get demerits. Okay. 
Well, it, was, it has been fun. I have enjoyed being yeah. on your show, and I might sound a little bit differently because I wore the battery down on my earphones. Oh, did you really? <laughs> oh, you still, you're sounding good, dear. You're sounding good. Yeah, now, oh. Martin, are you going to be going to Dayton? Well, I'm not sure. If I don't go, it'll be the first time in 50 years. <clears throat> well, that's a pretty good record. 50, yeah. 50 years, so. I don't know. Yeah. Now, I, I have to go. I need the time off from work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go up on Wednesday, and uh, we'll be, uh, we're not going to do much setup, but we will have a booth there in Building 2, where we're always at. Uh, we're not going to put much up. You know, maybe our banner and a, a table and hide an ice chest under it. We're not going to do any streaming this year from Dayton like we have the last 19 or 20 years. Uh, we want to walk around and see it. We're getting so old that we want to get back and try to enjoy it a few years while we while we can there. And behind the camera and having interviews and people with us, uh, man, we were always so busy. Uh, most of the time we were running and didn't have time for even even lunch. So. We're gonna. We will get some video outside, inside. Different people will come by. We'll get some video, and we'll show that on our Tuesday night shows, uh, and let you uh, see what it is. It's just gonna be delayed a little bit. And I think Martin, this will probably be my fiftieth uh, Dayton Hamvention. Oh, wow. oh! <laughs> you look like a young man, Bill. Well, thank you. I went to the first convention uh, just prior to getting my license in 1968. And how, how old were you back then? Uh, 15. 15, yeah. Well, see, I was 16 when I got my license, but like Martin living in a little Delta town down here in the south, I mean, I, I didn't know anything about hamvention. We didn't even have internet back then. Uh, mm. Was there a hamvention? I don't know. I guess there was. But, hey, how's a 15- or 16-year-old going to go up here? You must have lived close by, Bill. I, I did. I lived in Findlay, Ohio, which is yeah. just 100 miles north of Dayton. And my dad and I drove down to it. And uh, um, I attribute my back problems today with lugging an SX-101A and a Viking 2 from the flea market all the way up the hill to where my car was parked. Good well, I have sold. I have sold something they were heavier. Pounds a piece. <laughs> I, I, I sold something heavier than that. There, and I sold a Model Twenty Eight ASR teletype. Good. Now, the Model Twenty Eight is about four and a half feet wide, and you know it's about about four feet tall. You know, uh, but I sold a Model Twenty Eight ASR there. And, and if uh, you want a couple of rolls of original Western Unit Union teletype yeah. picker. Probably from the 50s or 40s. Well, I, I have a couple of rules of that. You know, I could have, I could have had that. Uh, people may not realize this, but I worked for Western Union for one year. Uh, as soon as I got out of the Air Force, I went to work for Western Union. And uh, uh, so I should have some tape and stuff like that. But, uh, hey, the I guy that bought maybe These might have been from World War II because my dad yeah. was a radio man in the Navy, and he was a teletype operator. Yeah. Well, the guy that bought the guy that bought that ASR, the guy that bought that twenty eight model twenty eight ASR, uh, rolled it on a two wheeler out to a bus, and they opened the big door on the bus and they put that sucker in that bus. So 
Yeah. So there you there you go, uh, Glenn. You can carry big stuff back. I, I, again, I my truck will be yeah, available. I can you bring don't, stuff. Not, back. You don't have a big bus though. I don't, but I can bring stuff back for you. <laughs> was there a Mach fifteen? It was, yes, there, I had one. There was a Model okay. fifteen. There was a Model yes. fifteen. Yeah. I think yeah. we used to use those for international communication back in the old days. Yeah. I mean MFJ. Oh really? Wow. The Model Fifteen was an it, it was an old one. Yeah, it was an old one. Yeah, and uh, old and noisy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, at Ohio State's uh, club station, uh, W8LT, and uh, that thing when it operated, you really needed hearing protection. But we used to send uh, pictures by, yes. by yeah. the yeah. asking text pictures yeah. on teletype, and we thought that was the greatest thing. Yep, I used to have one in my bedroom growing up. Oh wait, breaking breaking news here. You, hey, Glenn, you're flying. Listen to this, Tony in the chat room, VK3, YV. He is flying into LAX, and I guess, uh, and then he's driving to Hamvention. Oh wow, man! Um, that, somebody probably ought to give him a map. Well, he, he, I'm sure he... Show him uh, that that far on the map yeah. doesn't really equate yeah. to yeah. LAX to yeah. Dayton. Yeah, that that little two inches on the map is a long way. So, but yeah. I, I'm sure he, he... I think he does this every year. I think he, well, he know, gets think an RV. Happened, you know, in the old days, we had those big folding maps, you know, and it, you'd have yeah. the size. Now, you look at your map here, and it's like, oh, well, I only have to go here. Yeah, yeah I can yeah. get there. Yeah, I see. <laughs> Nope, I am actually flying all the way into Dayton itself. And uh, this will be the first time I've flown to Dayton. I generally drive, but it would just be me driving this year. and That's just too long of a drive. Yeah. Now, Glenn, I could probably drop you off at the Memphis airport, drive to Dayton, and pick you up. Probably. And I'd probably be waiting on you. Uh, it's going to be real close. I think I'm leaving at nine in the morning, and I'm getting in at three in the afternoon. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. about a seven-hour drive from here. Oh, it's it's ten from here, nine and uh, a half to ten. Plus, yep, I have yep. a time change. Well, then you're you're ahead of the game then. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, normally I would drive, and I'd bring the the big SUV so I can haul stuff. You know, now I've got like a fifteen-pound weight limit in the suitcase before I have to figure out an alternative method. Well, now, no see, no model 15s are coming back with you then. Well, I get Tom to haul it home for me. It'll oh, fit it'll fit in my truck. You just have it'll to cut truck. You just have to cut a you have to cut a Memphis to get it, man. Oh yeah. I don't well, deliver. I, to, I don't deliver. I need to come to Memphis anyway. Um, yeah. I need some help soldering some surface mount stuff. Okay. I had no choice, but I got a pair of chips and a adapter for them, but they are a uh, what is it? A twenty QFN package. I don't know what that is. Um, it's about about the size of. Oh, I know. That's the one's about the size of a net, and it's got eighty-three legs on it. No, this only has twenty legs, but no. it's you know five on a side. Yeah, and uh, but it's it's about the size of a tick. Yeah, well, hey, you're welcome to use the magnifying glass and the microscope, and uh, and I can help if you. Oh yeah, need to definitely help. Gonna, we'll, definitely we'll try. Gonna need it. 
But I've got carriers that are supposed to be super easy to solder. And I've got the, I was thinking, you know, they'd be about, you know, a quarter of an inch on a side. And I got them in yesterday and they're like, you know, millimeter and a quarter on a side. And I'm like, um, my eyes Man, don't focus. I, I tell you what, a millimeter and a quarter is pretty big. <laughs> Not it, to it, me. It is, yeah. I, yeah. But yeah, um, but they're, that's the only form factor I could get that chip in, and I really want to play with it. Yeah. What All right. Chip? We're gonna. It's, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna go ahead and end the webcast here. Uh, everybody in the chat room, thank you for joining us here. We really appreciate you being with us tonight. Thanks, Sammy Thirty. We'll see you next week, and uh, we're gonna go ahead and end the end the video. Thanks, Sammy Thirty.